Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of the School Safety Free Period. I'm Amanda Klinger. And I'm Dr. Amy Klinger. And we are the Educators School Safety Network. We are a national nonprofit organization and we provide school safety training, resources, and technical assistance to schools throughout the United States and Canada. Um, and we typically are very serious and we typically are very academic. But every once in a while, we take a little well, bit of a break. Like every time we do the podcast. Well. We make it sound like it just randomly happens. We take a little bit of a break, and we're a little bit less serious, and we're a little bit less academic. And we have our school safety free period where we talk about things that are too absurd to be true, but they actually are true. So, welcome. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah. We don't have a lot of absurdity today, but we'll end with absurdity. So, the first thing I want to talk about today um, is probably not a bad idea, actually. Um, this is more a, a concern with the way that it's being marketed as opposed to the way that it actually might be. Okay. Um, so uh, this is an article that I was reading uh, that came out last week um, where we are told that mm -hmm. canines, dogs, dog mm -hmm. units mm -hmm. in schools would deter school shootings, stop the flow of drugs and guns into schools. Mm -hmm. um, so it's essentially... The, and I'm quoting from the gentleman th that was talking about this um, that does clearly canine training. Mm -hmm. um, the shooting problem that we're having in schools and the drug problem we're having in schools would pretty much be eliminated um, by the use of dogs. So I was like, and now I'm a dog person and I love dogs and probably in a few minutes our do my dog's going to bark and it's going to be disruptive. But I just thought, wow, that is a big ask. Be eliminated. Of dogs, that they would be eliminated. Um, dogs and he talks charges. about, okay, so now, okay, so let's look at it, hyperbole aside, let's look at the idea that, um, you know, the belief that dogs could be more proactive instead of just reacting to active shooter and bond threats. I don't know, what, I don't really know what they use dogs for in an active shooter situation, to be honest. Um, but he, they do talk about the idea that as students come in, you could have the dogs circulating, and they would be able to to tell or alert if you know someone had a weapon or guns or drugs in their backpack. Which again, theoretically, that sounds great. That's a lot of kids that's and a, a dog. Lot of dogs and a dog that's going. I can't take this. I mean, if you've been in a middle school, there's a lot happening that I'm not sure that dog. <laughs> well. I don't know if the dog could handle that. Well, but it, it, I think it also speaks to this problem that we see all the time. Well, we could just solve this problem if we had bulletproof drywall installed in every classroom in America. Yeah. We have teachers, we have schools in this country where they don't have enough teachers to teach the kids, let alone to say we're going to have a canine unit and a handler in every well, school. Well, according to this article, canine teams could be the universal solution to school safety improvements. I want to see... Right underneath our nose. I want to see a canine dog. I want to see a dog supervised dismissal. That was I was. I want to see a dog supervise and make sure that no kids get hit by school buses. So the dog just goes like this. No, don't. I want to see a school a canine unit help a student who's being targeted for bullying. He bites the other kid. Stop! Stop picking on my friend. And I don't want to minimize that because so we should just get rid of all the teachers and have them all be dogs. This seems like a very simple solution. And let's go, not stop there, let's get rid of the kids, too. No students, no teachers, just dogs all the time. Well, they do. Don't they have that puppy bowl for the puppy Super bowl. Bowl? Puppy I want school? every K-12 school in America to be a place for puppies. And, 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 you know, trying to 
yes, there is a value. And I do think, you know, we have seen dogs in schools, therapy dogs and that sort of thing. And frankly, I feel bad that I missed out the time when I could have taken my dogs to school, if I'm being completely honest. Because I always wanted to do that. Standpoint. I always wanted to have a day where all the kids brought their dogs to school. And then saner heads prevailed of like, we will have a 300 dog fight. And so it didn't happen. But, so I do think there is a role here. Um, but I just think it's a bit of an overselling to say that this yes, is the thing that and, will and do it. And it is the same it is the same concern that I have when we say we're just going to add more SROs. We're going to add more law enforcement officials to our schools. Those things might be helpful. We're going to have more cameras. We're going to have more security interventions. We're going to have all those things. Those might, might be helpful. But none of those things is a magical solution. Even a magical puppy dog would not be a magical panacea of a solution to our right. school safety and, and problems. It's, being it's just not said it's a bipartisan solution because you're not trying to put firearms or armed security guards in schools. You're putting a canine team in a school, which is an armed law enforcement entity. So I don't quite understand unless they're just dropping the dogs off. That's the look. <laughs> and going have a good day. We'll be back later after the dog has solved this problem. So please all you canine handlers out there, please do not be mad at us. But you have to admit there is a bit of overzealous you know selling what? happening there. I want to see, I want to see a dog yell at some seventh graders who just need to get their hands off each other. I want to see a dog come up and go, "Hey, cut it out!" They the take class. their little mouth and they pull your sleeve down so that you stop <laughs> touching each other. Get your hands off each other. Get your hands off. Okay, so that's one that I think is overselling. Now we can talk about one that is just not going to fix the problem that you think you're fixing. Okay. So this is a school in Illinois that had a threat that was found in the bathroom, which we know a mm-hmm. significant percent. If mm-hmm. you're going to find a threat in a school, at least 55% of the time, it's going to be in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this threat was found in a bathroom. And so this district wanted to be proactive. No bathrooms. And to fix this, no doors on stalls <laughs> in bathrooms. Oh, so they, just removed, toilets, just toilets they the removed the doors from the stalls. And now we, of course, it was a girls' bathroom. And Mm -hmm. so now we are in a situation where girls are bringing blankets from home to hang up in front while they're going, using the facilities, or sort of a um, a cultural understanding of we're going to put, they put their shoes in front of the stall so people know not to go look into the stall. And, and I, I have to say, um, I came into a school as a principal where they had taken the doors off. And that was one of the very first things I did was put these doors back on. Because in that particular case, it was smoking. Well, a kid's going to smoke whether you have the stall door or not. And the only person you're traumatizing or inconveniencing you know, you know is the good that? kids that aren't doing that. Dogs. Yes. Dogs would just knock the seat. You'd be smoking and the dog would go, no. Just knock it out of your the hand. the dog would... Patrol the I don't know so so here's the question so the question what, is, what I have a legitimate question do is, bathroom stall doors is cause that cause a significant risk well, is it the the stall door the only thing that's keeping you from writing notes <laughs> and blowing it up I would, I would love to I do would, a threat but there's no door no stall yeah I was gonna leave a box these here. walls on either side I can't because can't write on those yeah. I only could do it the one that was yeah facing I don't. Me. Yeah, and so they also took some other additional precautions, um, which was to conduct random searches and use handheld metal detectors. Random searches of of students? 
Well, they don't have a stall door, so you could just walk right in and do it, I guess. No, I don't know where they were but doing they right. were They were searching the students? Random they were... searches of students and utilizing handheld. So, to recap, we have a situation where there was a threat that was made. And so, in order to make sure that no one else feels disenfranchised and disconnected and angry at the school, they're going to take off the stall doors, search you, and scan you with a metal detector. Because that will make you feel more connected yep. to the school. Next week, peeing in buckets. Yeah. Well, I have a question. It's a snarky question. This happened in a American public school, not a yes. juvenile detention facility. Oh, this right? was in a regular old school. Yikes. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. I, I mean, and, and that's that's... In our school safety news one, we talked about the trauma to students. Well, this is clearly not a trauma to students. But what kind of a message? What cost? Well, what kind of a message are you sending to students that you know you, this is such an awful place that essentially a murderer on death row gets more privacy going to the bathroom mm-hmm. than you do as a student? And I can tell you, having spent a significant amount of time with middle school and high school students, in particular middle school, you will have some serious. You think I'm being funny, but I'm not. Some serious bowel and urinary tract infection issues for kids that flat out will not go to the bathroom Mm. for eight eight solid hours. And I've seen it. And, I mean, clearly that's not the point here. But how do we get to the from point A to point B in this particular one? So, So that segues. I'm very good at the segues today. This segues to our final of how did we get from point A to point B. This is a high school baseball coach in Utah who has been placed on administrative leave for just trying to do what every coach should want to do, which is we want to play. We want the game to go on. Uh, So he poured gasoline on the team baseball field, um, about 20 gallons of gasoline, and then burned the field, lit it so it would dry up the field. Um, so yeah, wait, it was burning the off the water. You pour the gasoline in case you don't know how to do this, and no, you light it and this. you burn the it burns off the water. Is that what I'm happened? You think, unfortunately, you think that's what happened with the Cuyahoga River? They were trying to burn off the water. Unfortunately, um, there was a problem in that people complained that the field smelled like gas. Not no, imagine why, not surprisingly. And now they have closed the field because the health department is trying to figure out what the damage was, how much gas leached into the groundwater. Um, And so they're going to have to dig up the field to see how far the gas has penetrated. I thought this was going to be like a he got mad and burned off. Oh, no. I'm trying to play. We're, We're trying to play. So now they make... They literally make... Well, so let's... Things for this. Let Let's take a few steps back here Tarps. administratively at one point <laughs> did we not as administrators go and by the way if you ever get the urge to light up the field you can't please don't i mean so i guess we did not necessarily um i guess yeah. i guess but now i want you well, to know like, uh, you're watching veep aren't you where they turns out that he's jonah's married to his stepsister and his campaign staff is like how did we not know this and like it's not on the standard questionnaire why I are suppose. you doing a spoiler Oh, sorry. I haven't seen it. I suppose it's not on the standard questionnaire. It's in the very first episode of the new season. In the standard questionnaire, do you intend to light the field on fire? Yes or no? 
Or maybe just ask, like, hey, I got 20 gallons of gasoline. I'm thinking. Just wanted to run this by you to so get your take on this. Is dry it but off. now let's, surprisingly, it says this is not an original idea by this guy. I mean, 2011. He's, he's done it before? No, in 2011, a little league field. Um, and you can go on YouTube if you'd like to see what it looks like when you burn your little league field with gasoline. Um, in 2010, there was a field in Alberta that was shut down because they soaked it, in this particular case, with diesel fluid or diesel fuel. Couldn't get any um, jet fuel. In 1986, a college baseball coach um, tried to burn the field, water off of the field, until the fire department came by and told us to knock it off. But way back in 1929, and, and mm -hmm. since you like baseball and it's mm -hmm. been opening week, I thought this was very apropos. Mm -hmm. um, in Detroit's Mack Park in 1929, they had a wooden grandstand Mac that could Park. seat up to, yeah, Mack Park. Because the Negro Leagues. Yes. Yeah. They could seat up to 10,000 people. They were supposed to play in July on July 7th, 1929, but after two days of rain, field's too wet. Mm -hmm. So the guy that bought, that constructed the stadium, um, doused the field with gas, lit it up, um, and had stored the extra cans of gasoline under the wooden stadium. Wooden bleachers. And apparently had carelessly tossed cigarette, ignited the gasoline on the field, and the fire quickly spread to the stored cans of gas. Um, but 220 people were injured when the grandstand collapsed. Jesus. I did not know that. So there you go. And the last line in the article says, just use kitty litter, everyone. I mean, they, I mean, they also saw turfus. It's like literally uh, kitty litter, basically, for this prop. Huh. So, now, is that a school safety problem? Yes. Raging fires? Well, Bad. Sure. On the baseball field? Still don't like it. Um, but, I mean, it, you, it is sort of uh, amazing that you managed to get a fire hazard, a environmental hazard yeah all rolled into one poor decision and a why a why were you doing that hazard yep <sighs> so again the point being i think it sort of i hate to incorrectly use this uh, idiom but it begs the question what else has that d dude done that we haven't caught him right i mean what well, other know. lapses but of I judgment guess, has okay, that person had but i guess karma has come full circle because now we're digging up the field anyways Maybe we'll put new drainage tiles in when we're done digging it all up. But, I mean, seriously, think about the cost. Yeah. To the school. Were you going to file an insurance claim? I mean, so, you know, it, this is very indicative of when you have, and so here I will do the takeaway if I can be serious for a minute. When you have people working in supplemental, you know, in, in mm -hmm. other capacities mm -hmm. who don't have training, have not necessarily had those kind of discussions, mm -hmm. and aren't necessarily thinking the same way that we might think as educators. Mm -hmm. So it really just speaks to, you know, if we are making really poor choices about burning up the field, what kind of choices is this individual going to make when there's an injury or, um, you know, some sort of violent event or whatever? Yeah. So it really does speak to the fact that, number one, school safety incorporates lots of crazy mm -hmm. things. And also the idea that you may think the only people responding or making decisions that compromise safety will be between eight and three. And that's not the case. Either. Yes, that is an excellent point. Now, I do have a programming question. How did you come across this story? Um, is that in your alerts? Yeah, like it's I don't scooped up in the alerts. I found it. 
But I just thought, you know what? That is just perfect. That is a good one. I was especially like, well, I guess you could burn the field. I mean, but that's not the burning field like in the day when farmers used to burn their field. This is like, I'm burning the field. And then, of course, it just, you know, escalated from there. And then I thought it was interesting that you have this long history. Long history of burning the baseball field. burning fields. the baseball you know, field. I, I, liked, I like to hold myself out as being a baseball fan, but apparently I am not because I did. I so was this unaware is different of the story than you history. say, we're going to burn this place to the ground. I think there's a slang sort of like... Or the team is on fire. I mean, there's lots of yeah. fire-related puns you could make here that I think have nothing to do with that. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, there you have it. Um, thank you for joining us for another exciting episode, as per usual. Um, please do you know, rate, review, and subscribe if you're joining us in from a podca- podcast standpoint. If you're here on YouTube, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you can check out the other videos that we have. Um, if you have a colleague that should have been watching this or listening to this and uh, wasn't, you can always share it with them. If you're looking for other resources and information and training that we do, uh, formal training, where we're a little bit more serious and a little bit more academic, you can always head to our website, which is www.eschoolsafety.org. And if you have any questions or if you have a your own school safety story that is too absurd to be true, but it actually is true, you can send that to us at info at eschoolsafety.org. And remember, drying out the field, use kitty litter. Stick with the kitty litter. There you have it. So thank you very much.